You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship. Changing lives for eternity. My name is Johnny King, 40 years old, a husband and a father of four kids. When I reached high school, I was influenced to join fraternity and started taking marijuana. I hung out with the wrong set of friends and learned to misbehave and get into vices. I started using meth, shabu, gambling, drinking alcohol, and got involved in gang fights. I hid everything from my parents at home. I pretended to be a good son, but outside, my life was a mess. During my college days, my addiction to meth got worse. I lost control of myself, and I would even resort to stealing from my parents. I started doing illegal activities that forced my father to tell me to move out of our house. I moved out and stay in a pub house, where I was introduced to some pushers. Eventually, I became pusher myself. I was desolate in my own bad habits. When my parents learned about all this, they took me home and gave me another chance. I went back to college and graduated. Unknown to my parents, I was still doing drugs. After graduation, my drug addiction and vices became worse. I also involved with two women at the same time and got both of them pregnant. I had a job at the time and I thought everything was okay. I thought I would find contentment when I got married, but I stayed away again and went back to my old vices, drugs, womanizing, and barcada. When my father passed away in 2009, he left me enough inheritance and business for me to manage. It was when I really got really worse. I wanted everything my way. I mistreated my sibling and disrespected my mother. I mistreated my wife, abusing her emotionally, mentally, and physically. I even threatened to kill her, and I became very a violent person, carrying guns because of paranoia. My family became so distant and did not know how to handle me anymore. My kids were traumatized because of all what I did. One day, my family decided to end my drug addiction. With the help of PIDEA, they forced to send me in a therapeutic community rehab center in Batangas City. The life in that rehab was too much to bear. I felt so alone, it was when I hit rock bottom that I slowly learned to be honest before God and ask Him a question like, are you real? I know you, but I don't really know you, if you really exist. For almost two years, inside that rehab, every day was a struggle. I learned to surrender all my pain and hardship to Him. Eventually, my mother decided to pull me out of that rehab and transfer me to Penwell home. But then she told me that my wife and kids were planning to leaving me and that I have to be ready to accept that my wife no longer loved me. It was a hard blow of me, one of the lowest points of my life, but I said to myself, if this is my fate, I need to face it. In Penwell home, I feel accepted. It was where I was encouraged to get to know God. At first, I was not really interested in reading the Bible, but within four days of reading the Bible, it was interesting that I would always end up to Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This verse really touched me and moved me to talk to God every day. I, I experienced God's grace during my stay in Penwell. In an answer to my prayer, my wife and kids started visiting me as well. From then on, I continued reading the Bible and attending CCF service with my family. God's love was slowly doing its work in me and my family. My marriage and family relationship were restored until I graduated from Penwell home. My wife and I also joined a small group where we both grew spiritually. By the grace of God, I'm already handling my own small group. Okay. I'm also privileged to serve my fellow brothers in Penwell home by sharing devotion as part of the recovery program. I also share devotion inside the city jail every week. By God's grace, I was assigned as an overseer of the CCF Biahe or Binigyan Laya Ni Jesus Jail Ministry and one of the SIPA coordinators in San Juan City. 
Truly, the Lord can use mess up people like me to tell others the good news about our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, my name is Johnny King Jr., a slave of drug addiction for 20 years. Now my chains are gone, and I've been set free by the radical love of God. To Him be all the glory forever and ever. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray for uh, John. And uh, I'm going to ask your wife to please stand up, Lani, and uh, your three children. I heard they are here. Uh, where are you, children of John? Sander. Casey, Kenjo, Sampokyo. Please stand up. All right. We want to pray for you. You have two other sons. I heard they are in Antipolo. Yes, Pastor. In ROTC? No. Yes, attending. And the other one? Only one. Pastor. Only one. Okay. <laughs> Just testing him. <laughs> you folks agree we should pray for them? I wanted this discipler to be here. But this discipler. Is apparently out of town with some balloons. So I don't know where that is, but uh, he will now disciple his discipler, okay? So everybody, why don't we pray together? Father God in heaven, we thank you for all that you have done for my brother, John, how you have rescued him from the pit of destruction. We thank you for the men and women who took time to help him. We thank you for his wife, who faithfully continued to stay with him. We now pray together, Lord Jesus, that you continue to protect my brother, John, from sin, from addiction, that you will guard his family and use them to bring glory and honor to your name, enlarge the ministry of John in the jail ministry, in the eastern side of CCF and all the ministries that we have given him, especially in helping drug addicts recover. Again, with one heart, we pray for our president for his campaign against drug addiction. We pray for CCF cooperation with the government, the CPAC program in helping drug addicts recover. We pray for all the satellites and all the other churches who are participating in this rehab program that we will be effective in helping transform this country for your kingdom, for your glory. With one heart, we ask for mercy and grace once again for the Philippines. We ask that you give us honest government officials and help our president to make good decisions. Lord, you are greater than anybody. You can override his heart his decisions, so we pray for him. You uphold him and help all of us here to practice radical love so that we can be an influence for your kingdom and for your glory. We now pray for our guests, our first-timers, and those who are watching us in the TV, in the internet, all over the world, that Lord Jesus, you'll be the one to speak to all of us. Override my preparation, teach me what to say, and above all, may your Holy Spirit fill this place. Help us experience your presence. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. Our series this month is Radical Love. Why do we use the word radical love? Remember last Sunday? What did I say? In the New Testament, what is normal today is radical. We think people are weird if they follow Jesus. Let me explain to you why I use that term, radical love. The word radical has the idea of extreme. Actually, in the days of Jesus, that's what he expects us to do. What do I mean? For example, normal love. This is human love. Everybody read about human love. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. That's normal love. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. In other words, what God is saying, normal love is normal. However, for God's people, he wants you to be different. How are we to love? Radical love. Everybody, practice radical love. What is radical love? Everybody, let's read this together. But I say to you, who hear? Everybody, love your enemies. That, my friend, is one of the most revolutionary statements ever uttered by any human being on earth. Love your 
enemies. Now, everybody look at me. Do you have enemies today? Are you not thinking of them? Are they seated beside you? They are not your enemies. But they are hard to love. The truth is some people are hard to love. Some people are easier to love. Yes or no? Now, what are you? Are you hard to love? Are you easy to love? God bless you. You are in the most loving place in the whole world. You know why? In CCF, we teach you. Practice what? Radical love. Your home must be so unique because your home must practice what? Radical love. Now, what is radical love? Continue. Do good to those who hate you. Uh Uh-oh. Do you have people who don't like you? What must you do? Do good. It's radical. Continue. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. My friends, if you ask me, this is the most important truth application Christians should learn and master. I'm not talking about theological truth. Theological truth is important. But what is more important is the application of theological truth. And I've known many people with doctorate degrees, with master degrees. They've studied the Bible. They've gone through all kinds of Bible studies. I look at their lives, and I'm sad to tell you, many of us, including myself, fail to practice what? Radical love. If you will just humble yourself today and admit that you need to grow in this area, practice radical love, you will never be the same. Your influence will grow. So everybody, repeat after me. Practice radical love. I was talking to one of the heads of a Christian organization. He told me, majority of missionaries not going back to the field is because of relationship problem. And relationship problem is because of not practicing radical love. Many church splits, many leadership problems, many relationship problems, including disobedience, is all about the lack of love. So don't complicate Christianity. Let's learn together this year, this month, we will learn how to practice what? Radical love. So turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, you are not perfect, I am not perfect, but I love you. Tell your neighbor, I love you. Okay. Yeah. Now I notice you're now smiling. You know why this topic is so important? A new commandment I give you. Notice. It's not a feeling. It's a command. That you love one another even as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus gave his disciples a very simple command. A new commandment. This commandment is not new. How come it is new? It is only new because of the standards. Jesus brought up the standards. He elevated what is true love. What is normal in the New Testament is now abnormal today. Today we just practice normal love, human love. No, no. In the early church, they practiced radical love. That's how they changed the world. That's how Rome was conquered by the love of God through his people. And today, I believe, if we will all learn, all our satellites, all the Christian churches all over the world will go back to basic. Practice radical love. You know, when we love each other, you will not gossip. When we love each other, you will not cheat me, I will not cheat you. When we love each other, you will be happy for what is good. You will not have premarital sex. You will not womanize. You will not be unfaithful if you practice true love. And that, my friend, is my burden for the Christian community, especially for CCFers. I tell all our pastors again and again, we must practice radical love. Where do you begin? At home. If you cannot practice radical love at home, How are you going to practice radical love? In the office. If you cannot practice radical love in the office, how can you practice radical love in the mission field? 
So everything begins at home with us. Notice what Jesus tells us. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Notice, the best way to evangelize the world is love one another. Have you noticed that? If you love God, you will reflect by your deeds, by your words, by your mouth, a behavior that is so radical. And people will say, what is it about you? You see, people are brought to Christ many times because of love relationship. Just look at you. Why are you here today? Somebody impacted your life. Most of us, somebody invited you. And why do most people turn away from Christ? The same thing. Because somebody disappointed them. They have not been discipled properly. So today, what's our topic? Everybody, practice radical love. Part two. And what is radical love? You seek what is best. You seek what is best for your neighbor. That is practicing radical love. I want to do what is best for you. Now, what is best for you? You have to pray. It's not sentimentalism. It is doing what is best for you. I love this quotation by C.S. Lewis. Love is not affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the love person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. Let me repeat. Love is not just affection. It may involve affection, but it is more than affection. It is a commitment towards imperfect people to seek their highest good. It is a constant steady wish that you want what's best for the person you love. Notice it's outward-centered. It's not inward-centered. Most of us are self-centered. That's my problem. By nature, I'm self-centered. I'm still learning how to love. Are you learning how to love? Can you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, practice radical love? Notice I use the word practice. You know why practice? I need to practice radical love until it becomes a habit. So I'm still learning. Remember the story of these two boys? The mother wanted to train those two boys how to practice radical love. See, the mother had a nice apple pie. But when the mother divided the two apple, the apple pie into two, one was bigger, one was smaller. And she wanted to use it as a teaching moment. So she asked the little boy, those two boys, today I want you to learn to be like Jesus. Practice radical love. Be like Jesus. Now, here is the apple pie, two pieces. One is bigger, one is smaller. I want you to learn radical love. You know, the elder boy was smart. He told the younger boy, today, you will be Jesus. <laughs> today, that's my problem. You know, I want, you, I want to show you a video of the meaning of love. How do you love people? It's not always easy, okay? It's what's best for them. It's a funny video, but it's from our family, okay? I want you to see what happened to my youngest daughter's family. Let's show it quickly. Mm. Yes, this is great. Good job, guys. <laughs> Who needs help when your two daughters at the age of three and one can clean the floor and the chair? Good job. <laughs> Good work, Natasha. I can see you're really rubbing that down really well. That is not child abuse. That is radical love. You are training your children to work because love is seeking what? Seek what is best. Most parents have no idea. They want to do everything to overprotect their children. 
in the process, their children grow up with entitlement mentality. Entitlement mentality is the worst mindset you can ever develop among your children. They think the whole world owes them a favor. Friends, radical love, seek what is best. And what is best to you may mean no. What is best to you may mean discipline. What is best for you may mean hard work. But we have these wrong ideas about radical, true love. Are you ready? Today, we go to Jonah chapter what? Two. Why do I like the story of Jonah? Because the book of Jonah is a story of God's radical love to his servant Jonah and to the world. And the best way to learn how to love, seeking what's best, is from God, his example. So are you ready for Jonah? All right. Now, the outline is very simple. Practice radical love, part two. What is part two, everybody? You seek what is best together. You seek what is best, not what is expedient, not what is comfortable, not what is popular, but what is best. And sometimes you say no. Sometimes you say yes. Now, what is best? In the book of Jonah chapter 2, I notice a lot, but I want to highlight the following. Number one, to seek what's best may be tough. Radical love can be tough. It can be, but you must always listen. Radical love involves always listening. And lastly, it's, it transforms. Okay? So, acronym, TAT. So, ta -ta -ta -ta. Okay? Today, you have learned something. What is radical love? To seek what is best. Say that with me. To seek what is best. And what is best? Involves tough love. What is best? You must always listen. What is best? It transforms. That's how God loves us. Are you ready? All right. Quick review. Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to read quickly. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. So God gave Jonah a mission. Go to Nineveh. Be a missionary there. Tell them to repent. And the Bible tells us Jonah did something. He went the opposite direction. Jonah rose up, flee to Tarsus, remember? And after he wanted to flee from the presence of God. Here was a missionary, a prophet, a mature Christian thinking he can run away from God. Unbelievable. Jonah reminds me of many of us. We are like Jonah. We think we can run away from God's will. And the Bible tells us, he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarsus, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Notice, when you want to run away from God, you will always find a boat to bring you somewhere, okay? So this is what Jonah did. God told Jonah, you go to Nineveh. What did Jonah do? He went the opposite direction. He wanted to go to Tarsus. Let me ask you, what is the direction of your life today? Remember, direction determines destination. Are you headed towards God or are you running away from Him? Listen to me. Running away from God is not geographic. It's your heart right now. What is God telling you to do? But you refuse. That's Jonah. He wanted to go the opposite direction. He went to Joppa, took a boat, and I learned something. God will not allow his children to sin successfully. Let me repeat. God will not allow his children to sin what? Successfully. I gave this Bible study last week to our men. And I told them, you may run away from God, but it will not be successful if you belong to the Lord. God's love is pursuing. Remember last Sunday? Now today, I want you to learn something. The Lord appointed a great fish. You know, the word appointed is a beautiful word. He commissioned a great fish. Now, don't tell me what kind of fish that is. I don't know. But all I know is a great fish to swallow Jonah. 
And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. And in the middle of the stomach of the fish, the Bible tells us Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. You notice something about Jonah? Because God's love is after his best interest, it's tough. God did not allow Jonah to run away successfully. He sent a storm. He sent the sailors to wake him up. Remember? The sailors woke him up. What are you doing? And then Jonah was thrown into the water. In the water, what did God do? That's the story today. Sometimes radical love is tough. You know why? You want to seek what is best. Say that with me. Radical love is what? Seeking what is best. What is best? Tough. Sometimes it's really tough. Not easy. Now, people ask me what fish. Well, I don't know what fish. But to give you a perspective, okay? Just to give you a perspective. I'm not saying that's the fish, okay? That's the size of an elephant. And you are somewhere smaller than the elephant, okay? Now, is it this fish? I don't know. But you know what I like to believe? It's the Philippine butanting. Okay? Because in the Philippines, we have the biggest fish. It's called the whale shark. But look at me. The story of Jonah is not about fish. It's about God doing something. Yes? So, look at what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus said, Jesus answered and said to them, everybody read, an evil Adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah, the prophet. What was the sign of Jonah and the prophet? This is the sign. As Jonah was three days, three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah was a sign. If God gave that sign, just as Jesus would die, be buried, and rise again from the dead, means nothing is impossible with God. If Jesus believed in the story of Jonah, I don't have a problem believing in the story of Jonah. You know why? Because God can do miracles. Amen? But history has shown us some people have survived alive in the stomach of the fish. But that's not my point. My point is this. Jesus used John as a lesson to speak to you and to speak to me. And the Bible tells us what happened to Jonah. When Jonah was in desperate condition, let's read Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. I called out of my distress. Love is tough. Radical love is tough. Distress to the Lord. And he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. Do you notice? Love can be tough at times. How tough was it? Distress. Pain. Hardship. You had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows pass over me. Jonah chapter 2 is written like a psalm. It's a poetry. The first sentence is supported by the second sentences. The, uh, the second sentence. So, for Jonah, he knew. You had cast me into the deep. Now, let me ask you, who threw Jonah into the water? Who? Sailors. But for Jonah's theology, he's correct. God used the sailors to throw him into the sea. And notice, the current engulfed me, and Jonah was having a hard time. Look at what Jonah said. I said, I've been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Jonah was still helpful, Lord, hopeful. Lord, I know I made an awful mistake. And you know what? God's love can be tough. You know how tough it was? Everybody read. Water encompassed me to the point of death. Jonah knew he was dying. The great death engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Do you think he was in trouble? You know, I've discovered something. Why God allows trials in your life? Can I tell you why? Somebody once shared this with me years ago. Death 
as a way of altering our values. Let me repeat. When you are about to face death, like Jonah, water encompass me to the point of death. Death has a way of altering our values. Let me give you an example. If the doctor were to tell you, you know what, you have 30 days to live. I look at the x-ray, I look at the blood, I look at everything, I'm sorry, I cannot operate on you. You only have 30 days to live. Now let me ask you, will your values change? Will your priorities change? Why? Death has an amazing way of altering our values. Remember last Sunday, I talked about a husband and a wife quarreling, fighting over the color of their furniture, over the color of their curtains. And right at lunchtime, the husband has a massive heart attack. What did the wife say? She realized all of this quarreling about the color of the curtain, about the color of the furniture, they are meaningless when you see the big picture. And most of us are running to Tarsus, wrong direction. And God will use trials and problems to wake us up. And the Bible continues telling us, I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. This is a picture of how the Hebrew people describe death. You are in a place and the bars are laid down and you can no longer escape. That was the expression of Jonah. The bars were set all around me. I'm dead. I am finished. Now, I don't know how to dramatize Jonah's experience. Probably from the water, he kept gasping. <laughs> okay, do you understand? No, I'm not the best actor, but um, you can just imagine, okay? And then he kept going down, going down. <laughs> and then, in his mind, I'm finished. I love the next sentence. But, everybody read, but what? You have brought up my life from the pit. Friends, what is radical love? It seeks our best. But how does God do it? How should you do it? Sometimes it is tough. Tough love. Because the Bible tells us true love can be tough at times. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or lose his reproof. Everybody read. Whom the Lord loves, he reproves. As a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Notice? Now, let me just put it in perspective. Just because you are having problems today does not always mean that you are under discipline. It does not mean you are in sin. But the truth is this, God allowed trials. Why? Because trials, according to the Bible, are there to develop our character. You see, God's love is not pampering. It's perfecting. He does not pamper us. He wants to perfect our character, develop our character. That is the nature of God's love. It's tough because it is for our best interest. And the Bible tells us, Jonah learned something. In Tagalog, natauhan siya. What is tauhan in English? Uh, I will show you the amazing word in English. Do you want to see that word in English? All right. It has to do with the story of tough love and compassionate love combined in the story of the prodigal son. Remember the story of the prodigal son? He wanted to run away from his father. And what did the father do? The father allowed him to run. You see, sometimes tough love is allowing you to do what you want, but the consequences will follow. Many parents don't understand the principle of teaching your children that there are consequences to their behavior. I know many mothers, if the son forgets the baon, forgets the food, what will the mother do? The mother will run, get the food like a driver, and goes to the school and look for the son. So today, parents are the yayas of the children. 
the children really don't respect parents. You know, parents, let me give you a secret. You lose respect when you don't understand what true love is. In fact, your children will eventually despise you because they know they control you, you know? Many children control their parents. Very sad. Whom the Lord loves, he will discipline. You know what happened to the prodigal son? The Bible tells us the prodigal son ran away and consequences followed. Not immediate, like Jonah. The consequences are not immediate when it comes to disobedience. But it will come. I'm warning you right now, God's love, he will not allow you to sin successfully. Temporarily, you think you're okay. He would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. No one was giving anything to him. Notice the prodigal son was in hunger because nobody was helping him. Now listen to me. My wife reminded me to tell all of you, many times we want to intervene to help people. There's nothing wrong with helping people, but you have to pray. You do not shortcut, short circuit God's discipline on the lives of people. You have to allow them to hit rock bottom at times. God will tell you, Jonah hit rock bottom. The prodigal son hit rock bottom. The Bible says, now this is the English word for Natauansya. He came to his senses. Natauansya. In English, in Tagalog. Natauan means we became a man. <laughs> what am I doing? Natauan ako. Okay, what in the world am I doing? Some of us here, some of you are running, running, running. Well, you know what God will do? He won't allow you to keep running. Sooner or later, boom, you're going to hit a wall. And you're going to wake up. And you come to your senses. This man came to his senses. How many of my father's hard men have more than enough bread? I'm here dying. God begins to speak to you. What in the world are you doing? Why are you running away from my will? Why are you running away from my word? Why are you disobeying me? What's going on with your life? You don't listen to what God is saying until you hit rock bottom many times. And the Bible tells us, this young man decided, I will now get up, go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You come to your senses. I have sinned. I've been running away from you. I remember years ago, when CCF was just beginning, we were helping a girl who kept on using her credit card. Okay, she uses credit card. She writes check, and it bounces. So she was put in jail. You know, at that time, we lacked experience. We were full of love. So all of us chip in money to get her out of jail. So we paid the debt, not knowing. One year later, she did it again. Bouncing checks, credit card. At that time, the leadership learned something. Radical love can be tough at times. And you and I, we want to butt in the process of God. We want to step in to prevent consequences from happening. That will never allow children to grow up emotionally, assuming responsibility. So what are we learning so far? What is radical love? You seek, what is what? Best. And what is best sometimes is to allow what? Consequences. Not to punish. Punishment has no redemptive value. Discipline has redemptive value to help people learn. Radical love. And you know, the good news is this. God is always there to listen. God is always there. He always listens. You know why? Look, he got up, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. The balance of tough love and soft, compassionate, tough, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That to me is a picture of God. God loves you even if you run away. Let me ask you a question. Was the father still loving the son when he ran away from home? Did God still love Jonah when he ran away from him? Yes. So turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor God loves you. Really.
let me tell you, whatever, wherever you are right now, whatever is your condition, God loves you. You may not want him, but God is saying, I love you. He wants you to come to his senses. So God's love can be tough, it can be soft, but always listen. You know why? God is always listening. While I was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. You see, when did Jonah pray? When did he pray? In the stomach, somewhere. And when he got up, where was he? In Shangri-La, sweet. In the stomach of the fish. He said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. Notice, what did God do? He answered me. I remember a friend of mine who was telling me, he's, he's so irritated with his brother-in-law. I said, why are you irritated with your brother-in-law? He said, my brother-in-law will only call me, call us when he needs money. He's so irritated. And one day, the secretary talked to him, sir, why are you so irritated? You know, I mean, this guy will only call me when he needs money. You know what I'm reminded of? Many of us. You only come to God when you what? Need him. Now let me ask you, be honest with me. How do you like somebody who will only come to you when he needs you? Well, what is radical love? Always what? Listen. You know what my friend did? God used his secretary to change his perspective. Sir, mabuti na lang. Sila ang may kailangan, hindi ikaw. In English, mabuti na lang. It is good, it is good that they are the one in need and you are in a position to give. Let me repeat. Perspective. The perspective is simply this. No matter how you have run away from God, the moment you humble yourself, the moment you turn to Him, He is always there to listen. I know some wives, I know some men, they are fed up. No more. Don't talk to me anymore. In Tagalog, enough is enough. Tamana, sobrena. Enough is enough. Yes or no? Not God. You show me in the Bible where a person will humble himself and come to the Lord, and God will say, you know what? It's too late. Don't pray anymore. Don't talk to me anymore. I've never seen an instance. The fact that you can still pray is God speaking to you. You know why we don't pray? Let me tell you why we don't pray. We are so busy with activities. You are so busy with your options. And God has to put you in a situation where you realize, you know what, I have no place else to go except the Lord. That is the grace of God. That's why that's a radical love. It's tough, but good news is this. He always listens. You know, I love this quotation. Listening is love in action. Say that with me. Listening is love in action. So I want you to do something today. I want you to purposely talk to one of your family members that you love, okay? Whoever that person is, and I want you to listen. And this week, take time just to listen. Can be your family members, it can be your D group members, but listen to me. Active listening. What is active listening? You don't look at your cell phone, and say, yeah, mm, what else, huh? No, no. Drop your cell phone. Don't watch the TV. Nothing. Look at them in the eyes. Look at your children in the eyes. And then listen. I want you to do that. You know the greatest need? There was a survey made among prostitutes from San Francisco. And this is their common answer. The teenagers from San Francisco. Our greatest need is for people to listen to us. You see, most parents don't listen to their children. It's too busy. In fact, just this week, 
I saw a mom in a car. No, not in CCF, okay? In another place. She was putting on makeup, okay? Makeup in the car. And the son was leaving, going to school, okay? Leaving with a yaya. And the mother did not even say goodbye. You know what the mother was doing? And I was thinking, who is the mother? The yaya. Now, just imagine, someday when that little boy grow up, you think he'll have a relationship with the mother? I don't know. So, what is radical love? Always listen. Now, how do you listen? Look at me. Eyes. Body language. Focus. Understand? But just listen. And you need time to listen. One of my mistakes is I'm always in a hurry. So when I listen to people, I like to answer immediately. And I'm learning, don't answer immediately. Just listen. 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 So when I counsel people, I'm going to give you the secret of counseling. Counseling people is listening. Just tell them what's happening. And when they begin to speak, when they begin to share, and you just listen, listen. Don't give advice yet, just listen. I tell you, they are blessed also. Because they are able to share what's going on. So this week, what's your assignment? What's radical love? You see what's best, right? What is best? Listen. Will you do that this week? Huh? Now, some of your children, you never listen to your parents also. Maybe this time you should listen. In fact, your father will have a heart attack. You know why? If you sit down with your father, Daddy, I really like to listen to your wisdom. <laughs> your father will say, say it again, son, say it again. I want to listen to you. Speak to me. Words of wisdom, encouragement. Daddy, what do you have to say to your beloved son? And then you report to me next week. Your father will say, I have no time for you. You report to me. I will talk to your father. Listen to me. Young girls, listen to each other. Okay with you? And lastly, what is radical love? Transforms. I tell you. Look at how Jonah learned his lesson. He uttered an amazing statement in the stomach of the fish. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You know what Jonah discovered? Jonah discovered that the root sin of all sins, he discovered, is idolatry. You know what he's saying? Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Let me explain to you what he's saying. Friends, look at me. Idols are not always physical. Idols can be in the heart. Example of idols. I want you to think about humanity. All human beings, atheists included, skeptics included. All of us have idols, even atheists. Let me prove to you. An atheist, their idol could be money. What is an idol? Anything, anyone that takes the place of God in your life. Let me repeat. Anything, anyone that becomes more important than God in your life. Anything or anyone that takes the place of God in your life. For example, for some people, the most important thing is money. The problem with idol is this. It promises a lot but it can never deliver. Money. People think money will make people happy. What do you notice? People with lots of money commit suicide. For some people, their idol is relationship. They think relationship will make them happy. Idol promises a lot. Eventually, it will fail you. Look at relationships. They don't last. Because if you make that relationship the most important thing, in your mind, that will make you happy. It will fail you. For some people, it's marriage. In their mind, marriage is their idol. It's their family members. They want their family members to make them happy. How many of you are married? Raise your hands, please. Married. Okay, now all of those singles. Single, married, raise your hands. I'm using you as an example. 
Now, those singles, no, no, I'm not just asking you to bring it down. Up, up. Now, singles, you look around you, okay? If you want to know whether marriage will really satisfy you, really make you happy, just ask any of those people raising their hands, okay? Just ask them after the service. Okay, after you got married, what happened? No, you know what they will tell you? Marriage is a bonus, but it can never be your life. If marriage becomes your life, it will disappoint you. Marriage will never take the place of God in your life. Money cannot take the place of God in your life. Money cannot buy health. It cannot buy happiness. Relationship cannot take the place of God in your life. Therefore, what is your idol? For Jonah, his idol was self-will. His idol was himself, not God. You see, if Jonah loved God, he would have obeyed God. But he loved himself more. He ran away. Jonah discovered his idol was himself. And my friend, Jonah discovered the root problem. Many times, God will allow your idols to fall apart so that you will wake up and realize only God is God. Everything else will disappoint us. So let me ask you, how do you know what is your idol? Number one, you must admit you have an idol. All of us have idols. Remember one author? The process of the Christian life is breaking one idol at a time. That's how you grow. You break one idol at a time. Now, let me ask you, what really makes you angry? What really makes you anxious? Not your idol. Let me repeat. You want to know your idol? Just ask. What makes you really angry? If it's taken away from you, or you don't have it, what really makes you worry? And that, my friend, is your idol. Look at yourself today. What is it you are craving for? That if you don't have it, life loses its meaning. That's your idol. Now, the Bible tells us, Jonah learned his lesson. You see, God's love is radical. It's transformative. He said, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. His perspective was changed, transformed. That which I have vowed I will pay, salvation is from the Lord. Jonah came to his senses. He said, Lord, years ago I promised to be your prophet. Years ago I promised what you tell me I will do. I'm reminded. And then I'm almost sure Jonah made new promises. Yes or no? I've seen many people. I know of a friend of mine who lost billions during the crisis. And he made promises to God. Lord, I will serve you. I will put you first place. He began attending Bible study. But can I tell you something? When prosperity came back, he forgot his promises again. And that's why I praise God. He's patient with us. Have you made promises to the Lord and you've forgotten them? You know, I made promises to the Lord years ago. And somehow I've forgotten them. But you know what God did? He allowed me to be hospitalized. When I was growing up, I was never hospitalized. But when I was around 32, 33, I was hospitalized for the first time in my life. I had hepatitis. I didn't know it. I was jogging. I was walk, working. I was studying. I was taking up my master. And one day, I was climbing back the hill. And I couldn't climb the hill anymore. I told my wife, honey, something is wrong with me. Bring me to the hospital. And when my wife brought me to the hospital, at that time, my uncle was the doctor. Was the doctor. He was still alive at that time. My uncle, after testing me, my uncle said, you stay in the hospital. I cannot let you go back home. I got the shock of my life. Why can I not go back home? Based on every test, my liver is basically, has basically collapsed, okay? Big problem. Now, when you're in the hospital, what position do you have? 
What position? You lie down. And when you lie down, what's your position? You look where? Down or up? Have you tried lying down, looking down? No, no. When you lie down, where do you look up? The ceiling, am I correct? And when you keep looking at the ceiling, what, will you, what happens? You go see beyond the ceiling, right? I have x-ray vision, okay? I kept seeing, seeing, and then God spoke to me. People don't realize that's how CCF got started. The Lord spoke to me. The Lord said, what do you want to do with your life, Peter? In Tagalog, anong gawin mo sa buhay mo? What do you want to do with your life? No, don't get me wrong. Idols are not bad things. The enemy of the best are good things. My idols are good things. They're not bad. I enjoy business, okay? I enjoy business. But God is saying, what are you going to do with your life? I said, Lord, I'm teaching Bible. As a businessman, I'm teaching Bible. But God says, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, Lord, what do you really want me to do? Then I remembered my promises to God years ago. I made a promise to God. That what he says, I will do. Where he leads, I will go. And I said, Lord, should you want me to start a church? I said, I will do it. The reason why I don't want to start a church is very simple. Because when I go to a place and speak, after speaking, I can leave them. Hasta la vista. But I know when I start a church, I cannot leave them. You know why? Because we become a family. I know what is involved in church planting. And I said, Lord, if that's what you want, and God told me, you do discipleship in the context of the church. And my friend, I was in that hospital room for many days. But that's how God spoke to me. Friends, what I'm trying to tell you is this. Do not wait until you are in the stomach of the fish before you wake up. So turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, Gisina, wake up, wake up. The Lord commanded the fish. It vomited Jonah into the dry land. Can you imagine what God has to tell the fish? Swallow Jonah, but don't chew him. <laughs> Swallow Jonah, don't digest him. And now, after three days, remember, no shortcut. Now, business class, deliver Jonah to the destination. And the Bible tells us, Jonah vomited unto the dry land. And the Bible tells us, this is the incredible love of God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. It's called Take Two. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. You know what I've discovered? My God is the God of Take Two, Take Three, Take Four, Take Five. God has been very patient with me because God's love is radical. What is radical? Number one, it seeks what? Our best, always for our best. It can be hard. It's tough. But God is always listening. And lastly, it wants to transform us. Jonah was transformed. Not completely. Because transformation is a lifetime process. But I praise God for Jonah chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Now, as you study chapter 3, chapter 4, you'll discover third time, fourth time in my life, many, many times. What about you? Some of you are like Jonah. You're running away. There are many Jonas today. But you know God is telling you? I love you. If you would like to experience 
a transformation, just like Jonah. You know what turned around Jonah? So simple. The moment he prayed, God answered. Yes or no? Let's bow our heads. I'd like to give you a chance today. If God has spoken to you, and you know God is speaking to you, and you know all your problems are related to your disobedience, and you want to respond properly, pray with me. If there are pastors today, I want to ask the pastors to come in front. Later on, they can pray for you. And then you go to the room, but I know God wants to speak to you. Why don't you stand up, okay? If God is speaking to you, and you want me to pray for you, you're like Jonah, you're running away. Why don't you stand up? Praise God. I know there are many of you. Just stand up. I'll pray for you. God has spoken to you, and God is telling you, you're like Jonah. You need to turn around. You have been running away, and God is saying, I love you. I want to restore you. Anybody else, praise God. You know why i like you to stand up? i like you to remind yourself, today is a day when you want to be serious with God, like Jonah. If you are going to promise God something, I want you to know something. God listens, God hears, and he does not forget. Some of you have made promises, but you have not fulfilled them. Well, I think it's about time you stand up. Anybody else? Praise God. You know, God speaks to us. I know God is always speaking to us. And some of us are like John. You know, John has to go to rehab center by force. And many times, our repentance is not willingly. But you know what? God still loves you. Anybody else? I know God is speaking to you. Stand up. Between you and the Lord. And you say, Lord, I'm going to take you seriously. God is always there to listen. Tough love does not mean he does not love you. I know some of you are hurting. Some of you feel like, where is God? I don't feel love. My loved ones have cancer. I have financial problem. Where are you, God? My answer to you is, God is right beside you. But he's waiting for you to speak to him. And many times we don't speak to him from the heart. I'm not talking about memorized prayer. I'm talking about the prayer of the heart, like Jonah. Perhaps you need to do that today. Cry from the heart. Anybody else? Praise God. You pray this prayer with me. Those of you who would like to be like Jonah, to return to the Lord. Father God in heaven, I've been running away from you. I have made vows which I have not complied with, but I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your tough love. I thank you that you are always there to listen. And I thank you that you are always giving me a second chance, third chance, fourth chance. Lord, I thank you. And now you pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, here I am. I return to you with a humble heart. I admit my sin of idolatry with a humble heart. I admit to you I've been running my own life. You are secondary to me. You are not primary. Today, I want to make you primary. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you my life. Father God in heaven, I want to thank you for this group of men and women who are here. I pray for everybody, those who are standing up and those who are seated down. Remind us that if we are like Jonah, it's never too late to turn around. Lord, as you wait for Jonah to pray, you are waiting for us to come to you and pray. And Lord, with one heart, we all pray this simple prayer. Here we are, Lord. We surrender to you. Like Jonah, we will give thanks to you. Like Jonah, Lord, salvation belongs to you. And like Jonah, we will confess that, oh Lord, you are the one who saved us 
we give you thanksgiving. And in gratitude, Lord, we want to follow you and obey you. Will you bless everybody here today? In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group. We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.